Terry and Jesse show, two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. <laughs> UFC Catholicism right here. I'm your spiritual fitness trainer. I am the land lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the land lover of our lady. Terry. Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Lebanese lover of our lady. And Jesse, yesterday's show, I never had so many texts and emails. Uh, they say, you guys were on fire. Your love for God came through. And what they said to us, Jess, is kind of unique. They said, Jess, Terry, you guys always talk about the problems, but you give solutions like reparation and praying for those folks in the church that are corrupting the church. We don't get that from other people. I said, well, that's because it's a complete package. We're, we're not here to just criticize. We are here to pray them to be converted back to the apostolic faith. And, you know, it, we don't, the bottom line is you don't love somebody unless you will the good and the other. That's what St. Thomas taught. That's and right. So that's why Jess and I do that. Jess, let's uh, go ahead. Uh, well, first of all, Jess, today you picked again some good topics. Uh, the Maronite bishop... Now, remember, the Maronite bishop is one of the 22 Eastern rites in the Catholic Church, so they're Catholic. He says, Catholics don't see Pope Francis as a fatherly character of previous <laughs> pontiffs. Okay, well, let's see what he means by that. That's, that's fair, fair to say. Also, Archbishop Vigano, priests and bishops who promoted lethal COVID jabs must answer to God. That's, that's reasonable. I, are you kidding me? We, Jesse, we have to answer to every thing we say on the air, off the air. That's just how life is. We're judged by so that's yeah. by, by our decisions. That's why we always want to say every morning, my, my will, but your will, good Lord, let me do it. And then, of course, Carlo Bussard, who I remember as a teenager, he worked for Catholic Answers for the last 10 years, but I go back when he was just about 19. He worked for you for a while, too. He did, he did. He was a good man, and I, yeah. I'm happy that a lot of the guys that worked for us went to Catholic Answers on apologetics, and I'm like Tim Staples and others. Very happy that he did it. He's got a defender of the traditional marriage argument that I think it needs to be said. And I'll tell you why I chose that article, Terry. Tell me, because brother. is because at the Synod, you have uh, Father Timothy Radcliffe. Yeah. There, he's saying that we should also start discussing polygamy. I know. Give me a break. So I figured, okay, let's let's Give let's grab a good article on polygamy because. The liberals in the Catholic Church want to start talking about it for yeah. the, as a point of discussion. Yeah, and later on, we're going to be talking about a little fundraiser for the uh, for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You'll like this because we're going to be giving away some gifts. Uh, also uh, on a on a uh, raffle, Jesse. Um, also, I just want to say for the good to know file, Republican Mike Johnson was voted the new House Speaker, and I was stunned because I started looking at this guy. He's for ki not killing unborn babies. He's for preserving life. He's against homosexual marriage. He's, he, he doesn't think the global warming guys uh, are really scientists that are right. I mean, it seems like everything he came down on, Jesse, I'm like, he's the guy I would have picked. And so my question <laughs> is that we need to pray for him because uh, this is a Southern Baptist that I think I have more in common with him, Jesse, than many of the guys in Rome at that Senate. Am I onto something? Yeah, he's a practicing evangelical, and I had. Uh, it's it's uh it's sad to say that a practicing Catholic today yeah has more in common with a practicing evangelical no. than they have in common with a modernist Catholic like the ones that are running the synod right now. Sad but true. Yeah. So uh, and and I also saw I was watching. I think I was watching Newsmax last night, yeah. and I saw they showed a clip where Mike Johnson yeah like right before the vote yeah. 
He he led an entire room yeah. of Republicans in prayer. I love that. They they all bowed their head, yeah. and he led them in prayer. And I guess they went off to vote, and he was chosen. Well, we're going to have a, a clip at the second segment of him doing that and much more. Also, Jesse, the need to know file Bishop Athanasius Snyder. I heard this a couple of days ago. He published a new catechism from Sophia Press that has the imprimatur, obviously, defending the integrity of Catholic and apostolic doctrine. It's almost like the Council of Trent Catechism. That's how I read about it. So I think it's what we need today. So that's a good news story. It's probably going <laughs> to replace a new catechism. And I'll tell you why. Well, we I need think, that. I think I'll tell you why he's doing that. Yeah is because Pope John Paul II gave us a catechism in 1994. Right. And it was called right there on the page one. It says this is a sure norm of the Catholic faith. Right. But in the last 10 years, Pope Francis has changed a little here, yeah. changed a little there, changed a little here. And so I think, you know, somebody like Pope, uh, like, like Bishop Snyder says, we can't have that. Right. We have to have a catechism that nobody can change. And so I'm glad to, to see that he's doing that. And you're probably going to see most people jump ship and buy that catechism instead. I agree. And last thing, and I'll turn it to you, Jess. Swiss Bishop Warren Senate of Senadali is leading to a creeping schism of Protestantization of the Catholic Church. Uh, well, I agree with him. And it seems like more and more people are speaking up, Jess, lay people and uh, archbishops and cardinals. I'll yep. turn it to you. A couple of things I want to mention. Yes, uh, so Mike Johnson is the Speaker of the House. Uh, yep. 56 speaker. He won a unanimous support from all present 220 Republicans. That's amazing. He's uh he's known for his strong socially conservative principles, yep. pro-life advocacy, rejection of same-sex marriage, practicing evangelical. Also, pray for the victims. Last night there was a shooting rampage in Maine. 22 people were killed and dozens more injured Wednesday in a separate alleged shooting in Lewiston, Maine. The first shooting reportedly occurred at Spare Time Recreation. The second occurred at a bar and grill restaurant, and a third shooting reportedly occurred at Walmart Distribution Center about one hour after the spare time recreation shooting. So pray for all the victims over there. Absolutely. Also, blue state attorney generals are attacking pro-life clinics. California Democratic Attorney General Rob Bonta and 15 other blue state attorney generals published a letter accusing pro-life pregnancy resource centers of spreading misinformation. Attorney generals from Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Vermont, Washington, and the District of Columbia signed the letter. Hmm. Also, a diocese accepts Father Rupnik as an active priest. Are That's, you kidding me? We talked about that yesterday. It's a, a scandal. A Slovenian diocese this week incarnated yeah. the disgraced former Jesuit priest, artist, and sex abuser, yes. Marco Ivan Rupnik, allowing him to freely exercise his priestly ministry once more. Rupnik is a prolific church artist whose work still appeared on a Vatican website as recently as this month. Several nuns from the Loyola community, a congregation Rupnik helped found in his native Slovenia, have accused him of sexual abuse. He was going around just de-virginizing nuns. That's what he was doing. Yeah, and, and Jesse, I made the comment yesterday. Our good friend, Father Frank Pavone, gets in trouble because he says you can't be a Catholic and a Democrat and they take his priesthood away, but because Rubnik is in the boys' club with the Jesuits, yeah. uh, he gets away with literal immoral, immoral living. And this is what we have to expose because we want that stopped. 
And we want these people fired is what we yeah. want them. Accountability. Yes. Uh, speak, Lord, your servants are listening to Luke chapter 12, verse 49. Yeah. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set fire on earth and how I wish it were already blazing. There's a baptism with which I must be baptized and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two, two against three. A father will be divided against his son and a son against his father, a, a mother against her daughter, a daughter against her mother, a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of verses jump out at me in today's passage. I've come to set fire on the earth, fire. That's a symbol of God's presence in the Bible. And it's a symbol of God's love as well, according to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 3. Fire is also a symbol of God's judgment upon sinners, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 2. <clears throat> Fire is also divine purification. That's also found in 1 Peter 1, 7. He talks about a baptism as well. There's a baptism which I must be baptized. This baptism, it's a figure of Jesus' passion. That's what he's talking about, his passion when he'll be immersed in suffering and death and will rise again to a new life. And then he also talks about people will be divided in a household. Loyalty to Jesus Christ is even more important than family unity. That's what he's, that's what he's uh, getting at here, our Lord. And peace is possible only if we embrace him in faith. Uh, Terry? Okay. I want to talk about the saint of the day. Uh, the saint of the day is... Pope St. Avaristus, martyr. According to the book of the popes, St. Avaristus was the son of, Helen, of, a, of a Hellenic Jew of Bethlehem. He was the fourth successor of St. Peter, succeeding St. Clement in the Sea of Rome during the reign of Emperor Trajan. He held the office of the papacy for nine years, dying in the year 112. It's written that Avaristus instituted the cardinal priests by dividing Christian Rome into seven regions or parishes assigning a priest to each. He also appointed seven deacons to attend the bishop. In most martyrologies, uh, St. Avaristus is honored as a martyr, although there are no records stating the details of his martyrdom. Pope St. Avaristus is probably buried near St. Peter's tomb in the Vatican. And so we pray, Dear Lord, you gave your servant Pope Avaristus the gifts of wisdom and humility to guide your church on earth by his loyalty in shepherding the flock May he continue to guide those on earth who seek his intercession. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesse, yep. we're going to come back with Republican Mike Johnson and a little clip that will give a little sense of who this man is. I'm, I'm just still stunned that they picked him because of his moral character. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So stay with us, family. We're going to come back with that and much, much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show, Virgin Most Powerful. Jess and I say it every day. Yeah, we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd all be billionaires. Why? Right. Because our faith is in Jesus Christ. That's, that's the bottom line. We want everybody to turn to Jesus and embrace his teaching. Simple as that. Amen. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Hey, Jess, I just found out we couldn't find the video we really wanted to show on Mike Johnson, the Republican who's the 
new House Speaker. I'll describe it. I saw it yesterday in Newsmax. Good. Uh, it, it was right, I think it was like right after they voted him in. Yeah. They all gathered in a room. Yeah. He took the podium. Yeah. And before he said like, oh, thank you, you know, thank you. Yeah. the first thing he said, please bow your head so we can pray. Wow. And there is like uh, over a hundred Republicans in the room, male and female. They all bowed their heads, awesome. congressmen and senators. Awesome. And Mike uh, Johnson from a podium led them in a, in a heartfelt evangelical <laughs> prayer. I love it. When I saw that, Terry, I said, man, yeah, yeah, he just he just won me over there. And not only that, the left is going crazy right now, uh, which tells me he has all the right enemies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Read about everybody condemning him. <laughs> and you go, man, this guy sounds like my kind of guy, because all the people who condemn us are the same ones. You know, Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, Terry, it's like, for example, like Whoopi Goldberg spoke out against the Latin Mass last week. Yeah, I heard about that. Can, can you imagine how many Catholics are now going to start finding the Latin Mass? They're saying, wow, if Whoopi Goldberg hates the Latin Mass, hmm, maybe I should go check it out. Yeah. So that that's just a big recruitment for the Latin it Mass. Is. If, if, it if, is. Yeah. And just, just a point, I don't know if I've ever made this point, but the Latin Mass in the country of France, France has been so decimated by the faith. The bishops of France have rejected Francis's mandate not to have the Trinitine Mass, and the reason they rejected it, most of the people in France who go to Mass go to a traditional Latin Mass, and if they did that, then there would be only a handful of people going to Mass. So they said, on a practical level, these people are going to Mass. Why should we stop them? They're the only ones that come. Wow. So anyhow, I think that's going to happen more often in other places, too. Oh, I had to say that. Yeah. And I have no bone in it. I don't go to a traditional right, Latin exactly. Mass. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, why stop people from going to the Mass? Yeah, exactly. I, I, go to a, I go to a secluded Latin Mass. It's over there. Uh, the bishop in yeah. Phoenix, yeah. Uh, the people in my neck of the woods that want to go to the Latin Mass. Yeah. Uh, he 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 only allows it at three o'clock, at the at the chapel cemetery, <laughs> uh, yeah, Our Lady Queen of Peace Cemetery in Mesa. So I have to drive twenty five minutes, yeah. twenty twenty five minutes, uh, in a chapel, and all all of us uh, refugees from different parishes that like the Latin Mass that live in the southeast Phoenix uh, diocese, we have to go there. So we're all we're all stuffed in there like sardines, but hey, it's okay. Amazing. All right, Jess, yeah. well, let's if we're ready uh, to go yep. to uh, the Maronite Bishop. Catholics don't see in the Pope Francis the fatherly character of the previous pontiffs. What's he mean by that? Yeah, so the bishop, his name's Anthony Spinoza. He's a, he's a Syriac equivalent of an auxiliary bishop. Mm -hmm. He's rector of the Basilica National Shrine of Our Lady of Lebanon. Mm -hmm. He was interviewed by John Henry Weston. Yeah. And he said this. He said, um, he started explaining about uniting the clans, and he's asking them questions about far-right-wing events. And uh, and Bishop Spinoza, he says, it really energizes me because I see people at, at, at this unity conference from, by John Henry Weston and Michael Matt. Yeah, he that says, was a great conference. He goes, I, 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 because I see people who are very appreciative of the faith that they have, and there's confusion amongst them. It's not always their fault, and they're looking for answers. They're looking, they're looking for stability, the bishop said. They want to be good Catholic people, and sometimes they feel marginalized. And I come across this all the time, and it's just not the lady, but the clergy as well. Mm -hmm. So Bishop Spinoza, who's a Maronite bishop, uh, he said, he, he's, he also uh, addresses the problems of uh, 
the problems of the Francis pontificate, comparing them to the approach that St. John Paul II and Benedict XVI had to the papacy. Bishop Spinoza, the Maronite bishop, says that people look to leaders for clarity and for something fatherly. Recalling the papacy of St. John Paul II, Spinoza said that the Pope was universally loved, whether one disagreed with him or not. Benedict, meanwhile, was a scholarly man, quiet but gentle. Looking at Francis, however, Spinoza observes the people that people do not see the same gentleness in him with statements that can be confusing and contradictory and don't strike us as fatherly. Spinoza looks to Francis, Bishop Spinoza looks to Francis, accusations of, of, the, of the Italian word in the atrismo being, as he's always saying that about, cons- being backward looking. Mm-hmm. He says that about conservatives. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. Sure. Americans, backward looking as something that's, that parents don't do with their children and that many were hurt by what he said. Even if Francis didn't mean it that way. Terry, and I agree with the bishop here that, yeah, that Pope Francis, he's broken rank from the last two popes. For example, can you imagine if Pope John Paul II or Pope Benedict would have slapped an Asian woman in the hand? No. Uh, can you imagine the, 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 the media nightmare that would have happened? You saw what Pope Francis did, right? Yeah. He slapped an Asian woman in the hand. Sure. That, that, sure. Uh, and, 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 and just some of, the, some of the cutting remarks that he's made calling people backwards. If Pope John Paul II or Pope Benedict used that word saying liberals are backwards or modernists are backwards, boy, man, there would be a firestorm, Terry. Well, let me give you two examples. You know, the Holy Father said, don't breed like rabbits early in his pontificate. That's right. That offended a lot of Catholic families with big kids, with big families. And that, can you imagine John Paul II saying that? No, or Benedict, no. And there's one more thing that just recently he he did with the uh, homosexual groups, the Catholics for Choice, in a sense of, of uh, the homosexuality, he's meeting with them and, and telling them they're doing good work with the sister who, who was condemned in previous popes. See, here's the thing, Jesse. Something can't be right uh, or wrong 20 years ago and right 20 years later, okay? That, that just, you can't, I, I, logically, it doesn't equate. And so I would say this, and this is my take, and you can correct me right on the air, Jess, if I'm wrong. The Holy Father does a lot of, he, he, he models a, a politician called Perón in South America. He even said it. He listens. He, he, he rules by, like Perón did. And what that means is you go to one side of the constituents and say this, and then you go to the other side and you say that. I'll give you an example. This whole week he's been visiting with homosexual groups saying that it's legitimate. You know, we need to get rid of this, this teaching that homosexuality is not legitimate in the Catholic Church. And then on the same time, he says, oh, and by the way, uh, women cannot be priests, and that's going to uh, make the people who are conservative be happy. Hey, the Pope says you can't see, so why are we talking about it? But here's the point, Jesse. That's a political motive that is done by Perón, and he's done that for 10 years. So I'm not judging. I'm just saying I'm looking at the facts and saying, Holy Father, stop being political, man. Just stick to the, the teachings of what the parental teachings of the church, and I'd be a happy camper. Yeah, amen. Am I wrong, Jess? Tell no. me. Yeah, uh, That's it. We, we, we've been seeing it for 10 years. He says one thing yeah. to one audience right. and says the opposite to another audience. That's how I see it. Okay, and and we, we've seen that factually. Uh, this bishop from the Maronite bishop says, um, we also touch upon, you know, he says, this is what bothers people. There's ambiguity. There's lack of clarity. Yep. 
there's not so much teaching now as much as being involved with other things, yeah. being concerned with other things which are valid points, whether it's climate change or social issues or whatever it is. We have to be involved in all that, but we also need to, to know the teachings of the church, yeah. says, says the Maronite bishop. He says, we also touch upon the alphabet issues in our discussion. His Excellency points to Genesis exposition that God made man, male, and female. Yeah. It's set, it's set from the very beginning, and I don't see how we can change any of that, uh, Bishop Spinoza, the Maronite bishop said. He said, as sympathetic or empathetic as anyone would like to be, you cannot change what goes back to the very beginning of creation. That's right. He also notes that Benedict XVI, when still in charge of the dicastery, then congregation for the doctrine of the faith, said that pastors ought to approach those with same-sex attraction by not rejecting them. He says, the, 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 the Maronite bishop says, you have to help authentically. When you compromise the faith of the church, the beliefs of the church, or the morals of the church, or whatever it might be, you're not helping the individual. Actually, you're doing them great harm. Thank you, Bishop. What a, of course. Common he says, sense. it doesn't mean the problem will go away. Right. We just have to work a little bit harder as to how we're going to bring individuals like this closer to God. I love his attitude. So Bishop Spinoza, the Maronite bishop, uh, however... An even more upsetting prospect yeah. to, to this bishop is to consider is how we continuously hear of absurdities that would not have been imagined a few years ago. In our day, Bishop Spinoza, the Maronite bishop, continues, these same people insist they cannot be told how to live their lives. But the church has the obligation to do that because the church has to speak the truth. Right. And it has to be done with kindness and charity and all Christian love, obviously, but you cannot compromise the truth. And this is where we're tripping up. Exactly. We're trying to help in, in, a, in any way possible, but we're also compromising the truth. This was an interview done by John Henry Weston with the bishop, Anthony Spinoza of the Maronite Rite. God bless him. You know, Jesse, we need more bishops like that. But have you noticed what's going on in just the past six months or a year even? Uh, I, you know, I'm going to stick my neck out and say I think Bishop Joseph Strickland and Bishop Schneider and Cardinal Burke and Mueller, a handful of bishops, I think people are realizing these guys are spot on. And if we don't speak up, our faith is going to be compromised. And I really think that the now you see more bishops and more lay people, more priests. You know, Father Joe Ilo up in San Francisco telling the Holy Father, you're hurting my parish. <laughs> you know, but it was a great letter, humble letter. But you see, we didn't have that before. I, I think they've hit a point, Jesse, that we're going to say, look, we've had enough of this. Let's get back to what, what we would call black and white Catholicism, or Jesse, that we talk about. You know, that we see things, we don't see things in gray. We see things in black and white. And I think that more people are saying that. And this, I want to thank the Maronite bishop for his courageous statements because you can imagine, Jesse, his brother bishops are going to say, hey, don't do that. Don't do, your you're going to get us in trouble. Shut. shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jess. No, no, you're right, Terry. Just, that's how I see it. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, by the way, today, just uh, kind of a little historical note. Yeah. Uh, on this day in 1980, Pope St. John Paul II today beatified Bartolo Longo. Oh, he was yeah. an ex-Satanist who awesome. became, yeah, who... Uh, who converted? He was yeah. uh, who converted to the Catholic faith, right? And he spent the rest of his life promoting the Holy Rosary. 
They call him the Apostle of the Rosary. Right. And what's interesting, Terry, is uh, is is it, this man built a a, a a shrine over in Italy uh, to Our Lady of Pompeii. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Tell us about it, because this is a great story. Yeah, it, Terry, he was he was also known to go into satanic meetings. Yep. And he would go there with the rosary in his hand, holding it up high in the air, wow. and telling him, you've got to repent, you've got to <laughs> convert. I used to be part of this cult. You've got to change and start praying the rosary. Unbelievable. Yeah, so he, it, th- this guy became zealous for the faith. Uh, yeah, th- this guy, he was a, a third order Dominican. He took the name of Brother Rosario yeah. in, in honor of the rosary, and, uh, and, and he spent the rest of his life promoting the Holy Rosary. We all know what the Blessed Virgin Mary says in her 15 promises. Somebody who spends her life promoting the rosary is predestined for heaven. Awesome. Hey, when we come back, Archbishop Vigano, about priests and bishops who promoted lethal COVID jabs must answer to God. Let's talk about that. Also, I want to mention, Jess and I, we're too inspired to be tired. We're too protected to be dejected. And we're too renewed to be subdued. Why? Because we love Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Stay with us. Welcome back. Just before we get into Archbishop Vigano's letter that he wrote, uh, I want to bring on James Tracy. James, are you with us, brother? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine, James. We're talking about the Spiritual Warfare Documentary Fundraiser Auction that's starting November 10th here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And you've been very generous by giving us some things. And I'd like to ask you to talk about, especially the little um, the picture of Jesus, the metal, the little uh, plaque that you put on your refrigerator. So can you tell us a little bit of what you're doing to help us raise some money for Virgin Most Powerful Radio? Well, yeah, I got the idea of uh, auto magnets or fridge magnets. Those are, you know, indoor or outdoor magnets. And um, we're working with the um, local, my local KFC council here, and we annually have a Keep Christ in Christmas uh, campaign where uh, we sell auto magnets. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of it is to raise money for Birthline, Lifeline here, which is a a charity of the uh, uh, Diocese of Palm Beach. But also it's just to get the word out on hundreds, you know, maybe even thousands of cars here in South Florida sure. that we want to keep Christ in Christmas. Awesome. So um, that's that's what I did. But then I said to myself, you know, it, it need not be just um, at Christmas time, because a lot of times people, they take those magnets and then they, you know, they put them on in November and they take them off in January and they put them on their file cabinet. Right. I, um, I have it. We yeah. could do something. Yeah, we we could. It's something that could be year round. Sure. And I thought that uh, you know, well, thanks for our, our tradition is so rich in imagery that uh, we we could use the holy face, which is applicable not only for the Christmas season but perhaps even more so for Easter. And we could keep it on for you know twenty, thirty weeks uh, after Pentecost. Sure. Well, the first uh, ninety and, uh, people. Something uh, that yeah. um, I think really does. Thanks, uh, James. Well, the, I'm sure it's a conversation starter. Sure, James. For, and the first uh, ninety you know, people that register for this uh, auction that we're having to raise money for Virgin Most Powerful will receive the Holy Face of Jesus magnets, the ones I'm holding up in my hand. So I just want to publicly thank you for that support. And there's all kinds of other things that we're going to be giving out, like. Um, we got the 15-part documentary that Jess and Kyle and Dan worked so hard last summer to produce. We want our 
you want we want you to get a sneak peek re- preview of that and those who are donating are going to be able to get that father ripperger's new book dominion dr snyder's book liberal christu there's so much more stuff and then i'm going to laugh our secretary uh, has got me going to lunch and dinner with you guys uh when we have the spiritual warfare conference at her home everybody loved it last year so it'll be a lot of fun for free people so uh, it's all going to be up on the internet the end of the month, the 31st, and those people who register for it will receive that holy face of Jesus magnet. James, I want to thank you for what you do to help spread the Catholic faith, and uh, may God richly bless you. And one more plug, James, you do a, a podcast. Tell, tell us a little bit about how people can listen to your podcast. Well, I don't have a podcast anymore. I used to quite oh, some time ago. That's what I remember. I got a short memory. <laughs> All right, James. Well, keep up, keep spreading the faith, and I want to thank you for, for your generosity to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Great. Thank you, Terry. Thank God you. love you. You, great bet. Work. you bet. Thank you. you All it. right, Jess, let's switch gears into Archbishop Vigano, one of the guys that's the John the Baptist in the Catholic Church today. <laughs> Undoubtedly. He's, uh, yeah. he's saying that priests and bishops who promoted the lethal COVID, uh, the jab must answer to God. Well, doesn't that make sense? <laughs> We all do. Absolutely. Their silence on the pa- on the pandemic fraud is identical to that on the apostasy of the Catholic hierarchy. Mm. Archbishop Vigano writes, and the moral responsibility that wanes on them will remain as an indelible stain for which they will have to answer to God, to men, and to history. Wow. He says, three years ago, I was among the first and certainly the first bishop to denounce pandemic and uh, and vax frauds expressed with arguments that today emerge as true and well-founded are the critical issues and immorality of an experimental gene treatment, which aborted fetuses were and are used to produce. He goes, I also wrote uh, two open letters to the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, which remain unanswered. Wow. Yeah, but you're, you're a Hollywood actor. You'll get an answer right away. Of course. Or, yeah. or a pro-homosexual. Or a pro-homosexual, right. yeah. The, there were those in conservative circles who went so far as to attack me personally and resorted to the unproven and clearly false statements of a doctor who worked with her husband for Big Pharma. I express my dismay at the silence of the bishops, priests, and parish pastors of many religious workers involved in hospitals and the servile zeal with which the Catholic hierarchy conformed to the crazy and criminal health re- regulations and Bergoglio's promotion of the serum. <laughs> yeah. I was publicly insulted on television and in the media while my brother bishops were, si- were uh, silent. There were a couple guys like Strickland and Bishop Snyder who supported him. Continue. Okay. Face with, cri- with a crime against humanity that has continued to take place before our eyes for three years with the, accru- the approval and encouragement of Bergoglio, I would have thought that many pastors would have found the courage to raise their voices mm. and join in my denunciation of the plan of world depopulation implemented by the World Economic Forum, right. the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the WHO, and the UN. While the funds of these criminals were also given to the Vatican transforming Bergoglio into a vaccine salesman and a supporter of climate fraud, which has now become magisterium with 
Laudate Deum, and with the Amazonian Synodal Church. And let me jump in. If you remember, Jesse, Pope Francis told all of us that it's our moral obligation to get vaccinated. You remember that? I sure do. And, you know, I just happened to disagree with him. And so did a handful of bishops and cardinals. And, you know, but he was selling. He, he made it clear. If you want to come into any Vatican church, and, and, and you need to be vaccinated. So he yeah, really they, bought that. They didn't allow Cardinal Burke to go into the Vatican. That's right. Remember that, too. They refused him entrance. Isn't a, that crazy, though? A cardinal of the Catholic <laughs> Church refused entrance because he didn't have the poke. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Keep going, yeah, Jess. Yeah. So uh, he, he, the Archbishop Vigano says, but if today some priests surrender to the evidence and ask Catholic journalists to tell the truth about the adverse effects, mm-hmm. I wonder with what serenity they have so far silenced their conscience. And if their silence and fearful silence, like that of the doctors, police forces, magistrates, teachers, and governors, has not turned into a timid protest today just because they see the showdown approaching and fear for their own reputation more than for the health of the billions of people subjected to the inoculation of a product that was known from <coughs> from the very beginning to be dangerous and even lethal. <coughs> wow. Unbelievable, Jesse. This, La- read yeah. the last paragraph. All right, last, last, last sentence. Their silence... Their silence on the pandemic fraud is identical to that on the apostasy of the Catholic hierarchy. And the moral responsibility that weighs on them will remain as an indelible stain for which they will have to answer to God, to men, and to history. You know, Jesse, he's really doing them a favor, though. And people say, well, he's complaining, he's, he's criticizing, stop it. You know, if you love somebody, do you really let them wallow in a sin? No. Or do you, do you ask them, hey, dude... Knock it off. This is, this is offensive to God. And I, and I think that's what Vigano's biggest crime is, is that he loves people so much that he sticks his neck out. This guy could have gone in retirement, Jesse, and gone golfing and done a very comfortable life. Yes. But what did he do? <laughs> yeah, because he also comes from money. I oh, he comes from yeah. a lot of money. But what did he yeah. do? He spent, here, here he is in his late 70s, early 80s now, and he spends all of his life trying to be like John the Baptist and wake up a sleeping giant. That's how I see it. Yeah, Terry, the, the poke, we'll call it the poke just so we don't get uh, flagged here. The poke, unfortunately, it was being promoted recklessly, even by Pope Francis. Yeah. <clears throat> and let's be honest, we all know that this was developed on the backs of aborted babies. Right. We all know that. Yep. <clears throat> and they, they were all produced using aborted fetal cell lines for testing purposes. And an aborted baby was killed to extract those cells from their kidney. And this preformed human is known and beloved by Almighty God. And those people in our church that allowed this to happen, they're going to answer for this. Yep. And for those who have received the poke, uh, I would just say to you, my uh, my condolences. Yeah, I know a lot of people were trying, kind of like forced into it. You know, uh, I, I I get it. I I, oh, yeah. I you got a job. You you you're done. You're how are you going to support your family? You need yeah, to get I, the poke. I saw I saw the manipulation that was used, the the psychological manipulation. So you know, for those of you that received the poke, uh, 
my my sympathies for you for your a lot of your potential complications. A lot of you have actually called me up and talked to me yeah. and told me about your complications. And uh, I pray for you, and my heart goes out to you because I believe Terry that they 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 are using millions of humans as guinea pigs. Of course, that's my and, take. And, and yeah. t- talk to the Israeli little boy that was the poster child for. Oh the, yeah, remember that's that? Right, he died. He died, yeah. had a heart attack at age eight. <laughs> and it, yes. You know, we see so much of this. And Jesse, just anecdotally, we're going to be talking when we come back about uh, marriage. And uh, we're going to be talking, I mean, we talk about the problem of homosexuality. I'm just going to say it. I've had a funeral this week. 19-year-old mixed up boy thinking he's a girl. Suicide. Okay. Just thought, I say, we got to be clear on our teachings about masculinity, about men and women. God didn't make a mistake. And so when people say, well, you guys are always hitting on that. Why? Because it's a, la- it's a matter of life and death. People need to know the meaning and purpose of life. And we see such tragedies going on, like I had here this week at the chapel, because nobody told that young man that you, don't, you can't change your, your uh, sex yeah. because you're going to have the surgery. And what happens? He's now... You know, been buried because yeah. nobody told the truth. That's why we tell people the truth. All right. Yeah. Yes. When we we, come we want to talk about polygamy next yeah, because polygamy. Father Timothy Radcliffe over in the Vatican is saying that this is something that we have to discuss in the near future. So uh, we want to cut it off at the past and show you why this is a non-negotiable. We'll be right back. Stick around. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. So why did Father Timothy Radcliffe, this modernist pro-homosexual uh, Dominican why, in the Vatican, why did he say, well, we're going to discuss polygamy in the near future? I'll tell you why, Terry, I think he said that. Because they're trying to throw a bone to the Muslims. Because in Islam, polygamy is allowed. Polygamy is, is in the Quran. It's allowed for men, for wives and a girlfriend. And so I think uh, Father Timothy Radcliffe, the modernist, pro-homosexual, I think what he wants to do is he wants to play nice with Islam and say, see, we've updated our teachings. Catholics could now have many wives. So let's think it through what's the, what are the consequences of polygamy. Uh, <clears throat> defenders of traditional marriage argue that redefining marriage to include same-sex unions undermines marital permanency, lifelong union, and exclusivity, only one spouse. Mm-hmm. If biological sex doesn't matter, they argue, then why should duration and number? Mm-hmm. This is called a reductio ad absurdum argument. It attempts to show how the absurd conclusions that legal recognition of same-sex marriage logically leads to namely the legal recognition of temporary marriage Mm -hmm. as well as multiple partner marriage. The problem is that our culture is becoming desensitized to the absurdity of these conclusions. For example, a 2009 Newsweek article stated that the U.S. already has more than 500,000 polyamorous households. The article concludes that perhaps the practice is more normal than we think, suggesting 
It's only a matter of time before the monogamous world sees there's more than one way to live and love. So a polyamorous household is like, you know, two guys living in a house and a girl, or it's usually two women and a guy. Okay, that's usually what it is. In 2013, Washington Post article lawyer Paul Rample introduced what he calls wed leases. These are marriage leases where two people commit themselves to each other for a period of years, one, five, ten. Like a mortgage. <laughs> or whatever term suits the couple. At the end of the term, the couple can choose to renew the marriage, marital lease or not. And according to a new USA uh, Network survey, 43% of millennials, ages 18 to 34, prefer this kind of setup to traditional marriage. Unbelievable. Wow. Sick. Since we can no longer assume that the culture views the above unions as absurd, not even Father Radcliffe, he doesn't think that Radcliffe, he doesn't think they're absurd. Nope. Defenders of traditional marriage must mount a different defense of permanency and exclusivity. And the way to do this is the same way we defend sexual complementarity in marriage. We look to nature's design for human sexuality. Uh, in a two-part article written by Carl Broussard, Bringing Sanity to Sex, he showed that nature ordains sex for procreation. That is to say, our sexed bodies are ordered towards the beginning of children. Makes sense. Part two lays out the rational behind the unitive dimension of human sex because we're human, the procreative end necessarily involves an interpersonal union of knowledge and love. This line of reasoning suffices to show that nature orders human sexuality to a heterosexual union, but falls short in rounding out the picture of traditional marriage, namely that such a union is permanent and exclusive. This requires more unpacking. Let's take permanency first. Marital intimacy till death do us part. It flows from both the procreative and unitive ends of human sex. Consider the procreative, which necessarily involves not just creating, but raising children. When nature has its way, childbearing can be required until 18 to 20 years after the mother is no longer fertile due to age. Childbearing even demands that the union be lifelong because the education parents provide their children doesn't stop when their children move out on their own. As Terry and me know. Yeah. Yeah. Constant catechism formation. Exactly, man. Children need parents to provide help and counsel as they start their own families. Even in old age, parents educate their children by providing an example of how to stay faithful throughout marriage, how to handle retirement, and how to be good grandparents. As any parent with grown children living outside the home will say, you'll never stop being a parent. (laughs) It's so true. Yeah. Permanency also flows from the unitive dimension of sex. The sexual union of man and woman is an interpersonal communion of love. How could it be true love if it were conditional? Imagine a husband saying at the altar, I'll love you for only the period of time needed to rear our children. After that, I'm gone. That's absurd. Without the lifelong commitment, it wouldn't be a true communion of love. Practically speaking, separation later in life could create hardships for survival, especially for the women. Subjecting a spouse to such hardship is likewise contrary to marital love. So the procreative and unitive dimensions of human sex demand not only a heterosexual union, but a lifelong heterosexual union. Here's a second question. What about exclusivity? 
this deals with the Muslim issue. And what Father Radcliffe said, hey, let's be open to, let's be open to polygamy. Mm-hmm. Well, it says a man should leave his father and cleave to his wife. By exclusivity, I mean, um, I mean a man cannot simultaneously have more than one, one wife, polygamy, or a wife more than one husband, polyandry. Let's look at it from the side of the man first. Although polygamy does not pervert the primary end of human sex, namely procreation, and the provision of the children's basic needs, it does violate the unitive end and makes child-rearing less perfect. For example, in polygamous relationships, there's no equality between husband and wife. Consider how the husband is in a position to demand all the service, attention, and love of his wife, but she must divide the service, attention, and love of her husband with many others. Such inequality makes her inferior to her husband, as the late Reverend Michael Cronin writes, before her children and the world, she stands in the position little better than that of a slave. Wow. Wow. Per- common well sense, said. man. Yeah, but it's just all common sense. If we just go back to the beginning. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah. It's obvious that this doesn't jive with the unitive dimension of heterosexual unions. Motherly competition likewise brings disastrous effects upon the household. Each mother vies for the intention and affections of the common husband. The mothers also compete not to fall into inferior positions in the household. The competition is a recipe for jealousy when then finds its way into every, every part of the family, rendering the happiness and contentment of the parents impossible. Impossible. Finally, no one in his right mind would say that it's better for a child to grow up in a home where the condition of the mother is degraded, there's hatred among the mothers, and human affection is lacking for both the women and the children. Polygamy, therefore, is contrary to nature's design for a lifelong heterosexual union. A man shall leave his father and cleave to his wife. The above arguments against polygamy apply to polyandry as well. However, unlike polygamy, polyandry also contradicts the primary end of sex, the procreation and the basic rearing of children. Consider procreation, the case of polygamy. The greater number of women a man possesses, the greater number of children can be born. Mm-hmm. Therefore, polygamy harmonizes, at least with nature's purpose of sex, in propagating the human race. Polyandry, on the other hand, can play no part in nature's scheme to be fruitful and multiply because a woman cannot bear more children by having more husbands. Father Cronin puts it succinctly, nature has has no use for such a union mm-hmm. And consequently, it lies completely outside the natural order. Good point. Yep. We can also prove that polyandry is unreasonable in light of the father's natural desire to know and have communion with his offspring. St. Thomas puts the argument this way. Man naturally desires to know his offspring, and this knowledge would be completely destroyed if there were several males for one female. Therefore, that one female is for one male is for the one male is a consequence of natural instinct. Therefore, polyandry cannot be a part of nature's design for heterosexual unions. And finally, nature has ordained sex to be essentially procreative and unitive. And as such, it orders human sex to homosexual, to heterosexual unions alone. But because these dimensions necessarily demand such a heterosexual union to be lifelong and exclusive, we can say that nature orders human sexuality to what has been traditionally called marriage, the lifelong union between one man and one woman, 
ordered towards the generation <laughs> and rearing of offspring, just like God the Father said and Jesus Christ said. Terry. What a novel. Place. Jesse, what a novel yeah, idea. Finish it off. You're, no, you're here. Yeah, let me just gone. say this, because we have a minute left. Uh, this is beautiful in the sense that it shows what happens when a culture leaves God out of the equation. We turn to ourselves. And yeah. this immorality that goes on, none of these people are happy. We know that. Statistically, they they have more problems than ever because they've they've gone off the the plan of God's plan for man and for woman. And this is why it's so important that when we hear things like, you know, uh, marriage is being redefined. No, this is because man has left God out of the equation. So that's why here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, like tomorrow, we're going to have one of the great priests, um, Father Altier, on to talk about his new book on marriage. And when you hear what we say tomorrow with Father Otier about the Catholic vision of marriage, you go, oh, my gosh, this is what the world needs. And that's the blessing of Virgin Most Powerful Radio because we always deal with problem solution, if you notice. The solution is always Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm glad that Carlo Bussard wrote this article. Go to Catholic Answers. I support Catholic Answers. And I think of what Carlo has done over the years. It's another young man. And just... You're going to be flying out tomorrow to meet with another young apologist who they say is a young Jesse Romero. Tell us where you're going to be tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to be over in Modesto, California, speaking at a men's conference with John Sablon, about 25 years. People call him the, Jesse, the young Jesse Romero. Yeah. He, he looks Mexican, but he's actually Guamese. He's from the island of Guam. Oh, okay. uh, but he looks Mexican. Uh, fired up Catholic, good man, well-formed, uh, uh, graduate master's from the St. Augustine Institute. He's had all the right teachers. Uh, and he's a and he's a solid Catholic lay evangelist. So I'll be there this Saturday, Modesto, California. Hope to see you guys there. Eight to four men's conference. Also, St. Kateria Catholic Church. That's My right. brother Johnny and Boss Rutten will be there eight to four at a men's conference at St. Kateria Catholic Church. Be there if you live somewhere near the Santa Clarita Valley. All right, Jesse. Jesse, what state should we be living in, brother? Pray a rosary every day. Live in a state of sanctifying grace. Yep. Be holy or die trying. Uh, do not live in mortal sin. As uh, the Bible says, flee from sin. Flee from sin. Well said, and I want to thank everybody who's going to be supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful. Remember, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Well, make a sacrifice today and every day. Give your whole life to Jesus Christ as a sacrifice of love, and your life will never be the same. Because what? The language of love is sacrifice. Thanks again for joining us, and thanks for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family. Thanks again for all you do with your prayers and your